Hello ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else beyond. Welcome back to the UQT Podcast with me, your host, UQ Ali. And I'm here accompanied by my co-host, UQ Rice. What's good in my gown? So welcome back to another episode. That's This is our second episode in, in, uh, in a row. Yep. Uh, and this time, you know, it's my turn to read my story. And, uh, you know... I've decided to do the creepy pasta known as the Russian sleep experiment. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so <laughs> what the fuck up, bro? My bad, All right. my bad. So, you know, there's not really any time to waste except, you know, the infamous question from season one, pretty much. RJ, how are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> infamous you're like yeah that's the main part of the thing uh i'm doing i'm doing pretty good bro i'm doing pretty good mm. how about you man pretty splendid pretty splendid yeah there you go the question is over the, uh, the, the <laughs> <laughs> good one the question is past us let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, you know get to reading you know there's not really any time to waste really you guys want this i want to do this or do you want to listen? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and 5-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water, and toilet, and had enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and the events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives 
took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering through the microphones. After three more days had passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed off with the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state of that any of them were in quote-unquote life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscles and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of their flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, most if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working and digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh, that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber, and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. 
To everyone's surprise, the test subject sped up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When Hart was seen to be for a full two minutes after he had bled out to the point there was more air in the vascular system than blood. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subjects to have the, his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to him put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a 4 inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even though the weight was of a 200 pound soldier was holding that wrist as well. It only took a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to the skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from force of his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed, he was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly they tried the surgery without anesthetic and did not react a six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon's presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into his smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. Ew. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetch so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, the surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. One paralyzed the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their systems in an abnormally short period of time and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only response was given, must remain awake. 
All three subjects' restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of the military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered euthanizing uh, the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, a former KGB agent, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they put uh, back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but they were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the... In in preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had the restraints padded for so long term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against his, the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then right, then left, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves sh- showed the same flat lines as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun, shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned on the gun to the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining member of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you. He said with a stern look at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I have to know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks with, within you all. Begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. Damn! Damn! And Come on, me. said orgasm multiple times in the story. Yeah, well, they're not gonna hear that. You guys can hear it now. It was like the organs. I don't know. My brain picked it up as orgasms, and like you know, your brain picked it up as orgasms. <laughs> is that your own yeah. fault? Is what you're saying? Yeah, guys, all you can think about is orgasms. That's basically it. oh, for real. Yeah, bro, bro, On another note, yeah, I this is one of my favorite creepy pastas. That's pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. They give it a 9, I give it a 9.5. I give it a solid, uh... I give it a solid. And that's been the podcast, guys. Thank you. Okay, so... <laughs> I, 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 what the fuck, bro? I just started fucking. I got give it like an eight. I don't like it that much. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's been the Russian sleep experiment. Uh, I actually don't know who wrote this. However, I loved reading it, even though I mixed up organs. Or, or, that mixed <laughs> you can't even say it now, bro. You can't <laughs> say it now. <laughs> the orgasms and organs. It's unlucky, TBH, you know. Uh, either way, now RJ is going to be reading a short creepypasta. So, you know, take it away, my friend. So, uh, this is the first short story um, I'm going to be reading. Uh, it's called The Angel Statue. Let's get right into it, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, a mother and father decided they needed a break. So, they wanted to head out for a night on the town. They called their most trusted babysitter. When the babysitter arrived, the two children were already fast asleep in bed. So the babysitter just got to sit around and make sure everything was okay with the children. Later that night, the babysitter got bored and went to watch TV, but she couldn't watch it downstairs because they did not have cable downstairs. The parents didn't want children watching too much garbage. So she called them and asked them if she could watch cable in the parents' room. Of course, the parents said it was okay, but the babysitter had one final request. She asked if she could cover up the angel statue outside the bedroom window with a blanket or cloth because it made her nervous. The phone line was silent for a moment, and the father who was talking to the babysitter at the time said, Take the children and get out of the house. They'll call the police. We don't own an angel statue. The police found both of the children and the babysitter slumped in pools of their own blood within three minutes of the call. No statue was found. That's whole dog shit, bro. <laughs> I mean, it is a new one, is it not? I saw dog shit, man. Uh, but hey, he knows. It's fucking depressing, bro. The funniest part about this entire, like the most interesting part of the story was me messing it up and saying fodder, bro. <laughs> this is pain. Well, they can't even hear that either. Shut up. <laughs> I rate this one a fucking two out of ten. This was dog. Yeah, that one's at least a one. It's a fuck. Brother, at least a one on <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> at least a one could be anything. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad though. It's like, oh, it's a normal night, and then at the fucking end, like, oh, they're dead. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> Bummer. It's like all those fucking stories, like, oh, something interesting happening, and they're like, oh shit, I woke up, it was a dream. Like they're so cliche. Yeah. All right. So. Okay, Ollie. All in all, I think the story you read, pretty good. Mm. Probably because mm. it was more like detailed and longer, you know? The one I read, yeah. dog shit. Yeah, that's true. And again, this this uh, episode was, you know, more pinpointed or focused, you know, at my my story this time. Since, uh, since you know, it's a long one. Yeah, I know. This, oh, the more I think about it, the more inconsistent the story I read is. Yeah. If that's their most trusted babysitter, why the fuck have they never noticed before that there's no angel statue? I there Also, why the fuck did the dad like the dad understood immediately that the angel <laughs> statue meant something bad? 
Bro, just psychic. I don't know. Man. He's just fucking. Oh, there's an angel statue, and his first thought is fucking dip, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a weird story, but you know, you know what else is a so weird story? Yesterday, what is? You saying orgasms instead of orga- organs? Hey man, hey man, happened a couple times. Okay. Happened a you didn't have like a four times, four separate times you called organs orgasms. Yeah, a couple times, man, like three times. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. just great? Yeah. Anyways, that's been it from the UQT podcast. Thank you everyone for listening for this episode here. Um, um, we'll see you guys tomorrow again where we're going to be uploading another episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll see you guys next time. That's not funny. That's not funny, bro. Get the I fuck, know. dude. Run the fuck away from me, bro. Like it. Come on, man. Dude, dude, do you want to fight or something? And then, bro, I lost. I popped a boner. <laughs> I'm stopping the recording. Fuck this shit. What?